Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Do you know this? That the book of Revelation tells us that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. So, Pastor what do you mean? Before the world was formed, Jesus was already slain. In other words, God knew that Jesus would have to be slain for the sin of mankind. God already knew that man would fail. And yet he loved man so much, he provided the solution even before the world. We have good news to share with you today. Among all the benefits we enjoy as a result of Jesus' death on the cross, the fact that His sacrifice satisfied God's wrath against sin is one of the best. The words atoning sacrifice could be translated as satisfaction. The picture here is tremendous. In the Old Testament system, live animals would have to be sacrificed for sins to satisfy our sinful debt. But Christ accomplished this permanently. If you know Christ as your Savior, God's anger against your sin has been satisfied. There is nothing else you have to do. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 21, for part two of our message entitled, Jesus, God's Provision for Sinful Mankind. So, verse 21, you may want to write it in your Bible later. You can write it like this. Next, we have the first picture of substitutionary atonement. Don't worry about the big words. There's only two or three of them tonight. They're very simple to understand. Atonement, at one mint. It's the state of being at one. Remember, when they sinned, their relationship with God, that that oneness that I told you about, was broken. Sin always separates. So God says, I can't relate to you anymore. Sin has broken that relationship. So we have a picture that God is going to solve the problem through substitutionary atonement. The state of being at one. Unity, harmony, or being reconciled, reconciled with God. So that sacrifice, that blood sacrifice, brought them back in relationship with God. There was nothing Adam and Eve did. It's because God loved them that he did that. Now, as we go through First John, it'll take us a while to finish it, you'll see there's... There's usually, not always, because sometimes it's just amazing what God does, but usually when we sin, there's consequences. There's consequences. Forgiven, but consequences. Here there's consequences. You ladies that have childbirth today, the painful, blame her. That's right. You guys are trying to get rid of the dollar weed, 
grows faster than anything else in your yard? Blame Adam. All the rest of that stuff. Out of the garden they go, separated from God, and pretty soon they discover that in their own family, their first two sons, there's murder. Why? The sin nature started there. That's the nature you and I have. Now, years later, we see this principle in many ways in the Bible. One of the great ones is when we go through the book of Exodus, we see Moses and the Passover. How did the children of Israel get out of Egypt that night? Well, they had to take an animal, sacrifice it, put the blood on the doorposts. And, it's, and when the angel saw it, he passed over. That, that's the Passover. That's that same exact principle. Then in Leviticus, where I'm going to ask you to turn now, Leviticus chapter 17, 11. Most of you have probably not been studying that since the beginning of the year, but you can turn there to Leviticus 7. There's lots of really good stuff in that book. We see God giving further instructions in the law regarding all kinds of sacrifices and offerings to solve man's sin problem. Now, the Old Testament sacrifices, you'll hear me say this three or four times, the Old Testament sacrifices never really removed sin. It just covered the sin. They were all be, you don't have to write it down, you'll see it later. The Old Testament system was always temporary. It was always a picture to Jesus who would offer the final solution to this. Now, why the blood? Just take a look at Leviticus 17.11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I, God, have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life, for one's sins. So the life of animals and humans, of course, is where? It's in the blood tonight. If an animal or person loses enough of their blood, there is no life. So see, it was special. Since man is a spiritual being, God used that physical principle and he just brought it into the spiritual world. So I want you to write it like this, and you'll begin to have a little glimpse why Jesus is going to have to shed his blood and why God put blood as that that cleanses sin. Notice, next. Our physical and our spiritual life depends on blood. Our physical, naturally, that's a no-brainer for all of us, and our spiritual life Depends on the blood. Now, you're going to see that later. So isn't it interesting you won't find this often taught in a church? Well, wait a minute. My whole life depends on it. I have to understand how all this happened. Now, when you get to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews is always about Jesus was better than all the Old Testament systems. Not that they were bad, but they were just shadows of that which was to come. Notice Hebrews 9.22, huge important verse. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now really, I don't have to go any farther than that. 
So there has to be somebody that an animal or something or somebody that sheds his blood for me because I can't be good enough. If I shed my own blood, I'm not any good because I have sin already in me. So notice the principle behind atonement is a life for a life. That's why many people call Christianity the exchange life. I exchange my sin for life because Jesus took my sin upon him. The principle behind atonement, at one with, solving my sin problem, solving the separation, is simply a life for life. Now, scoot on down. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 16. And I want to, in a short fashion, give you a summary of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Kippur means to cover over, cover the sins. Really, still one for the Jewish people, a very special uh, a day for them in the world. Now, on this day of atonement, uh, once a year, uh, God instructed the high priest to go into the holies, holy, he could only do it once a year, to offer sacrifices for the sins of not only himself and his family and the priesthood and so forth, but for the people, the Israeli people, the Israelites. Now, remember again, if these sins were not atoned for, then the penalty of that sin would be death, spiritual separation from God. In addition to this day, this once a day, this sacrifice that I'm going to go through for you here, the people offered many sacrifices throughout the year for their own individual sins. So this is the, this is kind of the group picture like we'd be here tonight. We'd be offering a sacrifice for the group once a year, but you as a family leader would go off and bring your own sacrifice for the priest, do the pretty much the same kind of thing, not so much obviously in the holies and holies, but you would slay an animal and you would actually, as we'll see tonight, you would confess your sin on the animal and, and give that to the priest and the priest would slay the animal for you. Now, when that happened, do you think you understand what sin is? Yeah, the animal you just brought is dead instead of you. So all through the year, we see that. In this particular time, Aaron the high priest is going to carry out God's instructions. Now, a lot of things to do with him ahead of time. We're not going to go into that, but scoot down to verse 5. From the Israelite community, he, Aaron, is to take two male goats, circle this in your Bible, for a sin offering, for a sin offering. Now, I don't have goats. I got cheap tonight. Same deal, okay? So don't write me as a pastor, Mark, you're not biblical. Lord, help me. <laughs> right on the board. I will not be a critical negative. Is that okay? Okay, two sheeps, two goats, whatever. By the way, in many of the things later on, when you had to go and bring things to the temple, people couldn't afford an animal that had birds. Jesus, in fact, his parents. So watch what happens now. These two goats, the two sheep that I have here, represent one sin offering, although only one of them is going to be killed. You'll see that later. Look at verse 8. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Verse 9. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it, kill it, for a sin offering. Verse 15. He shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did with the bull's blood, which is another whole issue. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of this. So 
Aaron would kill this goat, sprinkle the blood on the atonement cover of the altar, make an atonement for sins. Now, the laws that the people had broken would now be covered by the blood. Atonement. The blood ransoms at the price of a life. Remember what we just said? The principle behind atonement? Here's all of you. You're all here at all of our campuses tonight. This is a sin offering for all of CCM at all our campuses. This goat, this sheep, would be killed, the blood taken, and put in different places within the within the holies of holies and so forth. A life for a life. Your sins would now be covered, covered. A sense of forgiveness, but just covered. Now, as a result of that, everybody that would be there, you could understand what would be going through their, their minds as they saw that blood. This substitutionary death made atonement for the whole nation. Just one goat, just one sheep. Now see, even though we know this for a fact, I think it would make us a little more aware when we'd go to sin. Because there would, there would be that, whoa, I'm going to have to kill this animal to take my place. So it wasn't like winked at quite like today. Oh, who cares? Very different. See, that's, that's what happens when you begin to teach grace, which is very biblical. I mean, the only reason we're here tonight is because of God's grace. But some people take it to the other extreme. Well, ever been a Christian? Yeah, sure, I went down to the altar one time there and asked God to come into my good. How are you doing with that? Well, I'm saved forever. I don't care what happens. I'm just sinning because I get grace every day. Praise God. They're clueless. And I would say to them, they're not saved. It's going to be a shock to them. They, they don't understand how they got freed or should have been freed, which they never really were. Now, here's what you want to write. God was covering their sin through the first goat, through the first goat that was sacrificed. So this goat, this sheep, is out of the picture. The sins of the people were covered. The goat's life for our sin, for our life. Now, verse 10, but the goat... Chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making, here's our word again, atonement at one with, solving the, the, the relationship problem between a holy God and sinful man by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. Now, the high priest, notice in verse 21, he's to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. Now, I don't know how that worked. It had to be some kind of a summary. Otherwise, he'd still be here today with his hands on it. Now, what if we did this tonight? I'm Aaron, and I ask for your list for the whole year. Of course, you've gone often. We don't know when the last time you came, but you've gone off and done your own sacrifice. But he would put his hands on this animal and, and confess, probably in a gen general way, that the sins of the people. I think it makes sense to you. 
You're going to see in a moment. We're Christians, but we sin. Amen? So, I mean, would I have anything to confess tonight for all of you? Absolutely. I'm glad they don't come on the screen. I'm glad mine don't come on the screen. But he would confess by placing his hands, just like you would do privately, on that animal. Now, remember, if you were, if you were doing this during the year, and this is your animal, and you brought it, and you confess the adultery and the, the lust and, and the negative and, you know, whatever sins are going there, and then the animal's killed... I would hope that that starts having an impression. Well, this scapegoat was different. After he did this, look at the rest, and put it on the goat's heads. Look at the rest of verse 21. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. Now the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. So this scapegoat, which means escape death, he confesses all that wickedness and rebellions and their sins. And the releasing of the goat is something you want to write. It's huge. God was removing their guilt through the second goat. God was removing their guilt from the second goat because it symbolized the sins of the people being carried away, never to be held against them again. Now, there's some speculation, probably true to a a fact. Uh, This man would lead the goat out into the wilderness far enough that it would never return. Just keep going and going and going and going. And there was some belief that there'd be different people on different spots all the way back as this goat would go and be just ever, that's why he would just never return. Once that goat was far enough that he would never come back here, he would just go out in the wilderness and find another way to live or whatever. The word would come back to those people. Your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. And it would finally come back to the people, to, to one of the men there, and he would say this, your sins are gone. You'd go, oh, Really? Would, would you like celebrate if you heard that? Now, I want you to watch me. This is our sin. It's been covered, but we have trouble with guilt, don't we? Sometimes we say this, you know, God's forgiven you. Let it go. But who keeps bringing it back? Satan, the accuser. How dare you? You did it again. D- what? You call yourself a Christian? And we have guilt. Guilt's horrible, isn't it? I hate guilt. You hate it. So I want you to do something in a moment. I want you to say goodbye. Get your hands and say, bye-bye. Let's say it together. I'm going to say that our sins are gone with a little excitement now. Here we go. One, two, three. All the campuses, our sins are gone. Come on now. What's the alternative? Well, let's get the bus ready and go to hell. Our sins are are removed. They're gone. To be remembered, no more. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Do you know nobody in the world can do what you just did? Because they're loaded down with guilt. Now, the Bible tells us right from the beginning that these animal sacrifices, the shedding of blood, were simply a shadow and uh, 
since the sins were only covered. They all, all of these things in the Old Testament pointed to the real sheep, the real solution to man's sin, which was Jesus Christ, because he would not cover their sins, he would take their sins away, remove them, forgive them. Let me read to you Hebrews uh, 10.1. The old system under the law, Moses, was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. And then Hebrews 10.4, look on the overhead. This is the principle. This is why everything in the Old Testament was good. It was right, but it was temporary. Hebrews 10.4, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, covered them, covered them, covered their sins. Now, at the age of 30, Jesus began his ministry. One day he was walking to be water baptized and then filled with the Spirit. And let's turn to John one twenty nine, and you'll begin to see a picture right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He knew it. John the Baptist knew it. And pretty soon the disciples would get it, even though it would be a hard thing for them to put together. John one twenty nine, all of our campuses, look at it. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Do you know this, that the book of Revelation tells us that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world? said, Pastor what do you mean? Before the world was formed, Jesus was already slain. In other words, God knew that Jesus would have to be slain for the sin of mankind. God already knew that man would fail. And yet he loved man so much, he provided the solution even before the world. See, people say, well, God's a mean God. Really? He provided the solution before you and I were even had a world to be on. Now, for the next three years, what did Jesus do? He lived a sinless life. Perfect. Jesus knew himself, obviously, that he was going to be the permanent solution for man's sin problem. So, Old Testament, simple when we went through it, understand, it was temporary, it was animal sacrifices, it simply covered the sin. When we come to the New Testament, what do we see? Take a look, write it down. New Testament, sin solution, it's permanent, not never going to change. It involves Jesus' death, and it removes the sin. Aren't you glad that we don't have to go through a ritual of animal sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins? Pastor Mark explained to us that the Old Testament believers had to sacrifice animals to restore their relationship with God. Today we have a different solution for our sins, Jesus Christ. He came to restore that relationship with God. We just have to ask for forgiveness and live a life pleasing to Him. 
Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on Today's Date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we will learn about the permanent solution for our sin problem. Jesus' death permanently removes our sin far away from us. He took your sin. He took mankind's sin upon himself so that we may live forever with God. That's how much God loves us. He sent his only son to be our sacrifice for our sins. God's love and Jesus' death means that our sins are forgiven and forgotten. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lesson.